I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie, I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. We are here tonight with uh, the legendary Polly from Polly's Picks on the website. We're going to do a little bit of a breakdown of the players, who to expect to play well at this week's PGA. Uh, Polly, welcome on. Thanks, Andy, for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, been a good year for you. You got eight winners this year. Yeah, eight winners almost had number nine in Canada over there. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully pick up nine this week though. Yeah, hopefully we'll get we'll get some people some good advice on who to pick for their one and done leagues, their their office pools and DraftKings, of course. Um, so let's uh, get into it. Uh, Quail Hollows, the host of this week's PGA, and. It's undergone some pretty extensive changes since last year's Wells Fargo. Completely new first four holes. Um, first hole, I guess, is like 525 uphill, really long hole. I, Dirt McGirt was complaining today that he hit driver three wood and he was still short on one. Um, <laughs> new grass in the greens, new bunker sand. Uh, Polly, what do you expect out of the new look Quail Hollow? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a little bit different than the years past. Uh, it's going to play very long, considering that, I mean, I believe it's around par 71 and about 70, over 7,400 yards. Uh, so it's definitely going to be looking towards some of the guys that hit the ball pretty long. Uh, and, and then one of the things, as you mentioned, was they, they went ahead and redid their greens recently. So if you go all the way back to what they had before 2013, you might remember that they had issues with some of the pros complaining about the conditions of the greens. Right. And after that, they went and changed from bent grass over to Bermuda. And they had issue with those greens the last couple of years as well, weren't as pure as they would have liked. So about a year ago, they went ahead and changed it to grass called Champions Ultrador Bermuda. And it's become very popular the last couple of years. It's kind of a genetically modified turf. Uh, and some other tour events have had, uh, like TPC Southwind in Memphis, uh, Austin Country Club, uh, TPC San Antonio that hosted Valero Texas Open, Seminole Golf Club uh, down in Florida that some guys have played at, some of the Robert Trent Jones courses in Alabama. So it's very prevalent, and some of the top players on tour, you know, do putt better on this grass than uh, than what was uh, previously on the golf course. It's, uh, you know, making making a couple extra putts around can be a big difference. Um, I, I've also heard that the rough is, you know, extremely healthy. Like you're saying, like six inches uh, of rough around there. So... Could be, you know, a little bit more of a premium on finding the fairways. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it, it's going to be all based upon guys gaining strokes off the tee this week, whether it be by, you know, distance and accuracy. You know, kind of the guys like, you know, Charlie Hoffman, a guy who may not necessarily kill it off the tee, but he hits it far enough and hits it accurate to where, you know, they're not hitting, you know, like, like McGirt hitting uh, super long irons or, 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 or three woods or multiple drivers into par fours. <laughs> 
Dirt, dirt has been kind of a factor in the majors, but maybe not this one. Uh, I, I love Hoffman this week, too. He uh, He's just in such good form. Obviously, third place last week, second place uh, at the Canadian Open, and then, you know, in the majors, he's been kind of nails. He was in the final group of the Masters, top 10 at the the U.S. Open, and another top 20 at, uh, at the Open Championship. Definitely, definitely. So, um, as far as weather, you know, when, when you start, why don't you walk us through kind of how you go about making your picks, um, and, and what, what you're thinking about this week in terms of the weather and, uh, strategy. Sure. I was going to walk through a little bit. So generally I'm on, on Sunday and Monday before the tournament week, I'll go through and just kind of look at past history of the golf course, try to see who has some form at the golf course. And also look the last couple of weeks to see, hey, who's been playing good? You know, is there anybody that's just riding a heater coming into the tournament here that I'm going to want in a roster, and whether it's in DraftKings or one and done leagues? Uh, and, and then try to look at the prior year's events just to try to isolate what stats some of the players succeeded at that were near the top. So, like, evidently with Quail Hollow, with it being a long golf course and with the rough being up, we're going to need guys that can hit it long off the tee but still keep it in play. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, and, that, and that's the reason why you've had guys like Roy McIlroy has absolutely killed Quell Hollow. And the reason why is he's super long off the tee, and when he has his driver going, he's almost unbeatable. Yeah, I, I think being long is such a benefit when that roughs up too, because if you find trouble and you're really long, you've all of a sudden got a short iron in instead of having to hit like a four iron out of the rough. And... That's where it just kills shorter hitters like, you know, Zach Johnson. When he, when he misses a fairway and he's going to miss a fairway, a couple fairways, he just, he's he's hitting a four iron out of the rough instead of a guy like Rory who's hitting a nine iron. Exactly. And if you look at some of the other courses that have had this similar uh, grass in the greens, this champion's ultra door Bermuda, it usually ends up being really firm and fast. Mm-hmm. So if we looked at courses like we've had down at TBC, TBC San Antonio for Valero Texas Open, a lot of the guys at the top of the leaderboard there are guys that hit the ball long off the tee because they're having shorter irons into the greens and able to hold it. Same is true in Memphis. We've seen guys like Daniel Berger, Tony Finau, Charlie Hoffman, Brooks Kepka, guys that are able to drive it far enough down there to where they're hitting wedges and able to hold that green as opposed to hitting seven irons into the green. And I'm expecting the same thing to happen this week. Yeah, I think this this week is distance will be huge. So in terms of uh, uh, strategies, I, I think this is kind of an underrated aspect of, of fantasy leagues is, you know, what, what should be kind of different strategies for, for DraftKings, whether it be you're in a tournament or like a, a 50-50 league, and then also for your one-and-done league, you know, if you're chasing, you know, what are you looking for? And if you're kind of at the top of your one-and-done league, what are you you looking to do as the playoffs come around the corner? Sure, I'll kind of talk about the one-and-done leagues first. If, if you're near the top of your one-and-done league and you still have Roy McIlroy available, you should be playing him this week. Uh, and I'm, a reason, I'm guessing the reason you kept him all the way through this year is to play him for the PGA because you know he's good at Quill Hollow. If you're not near the top of your league or you're maybe fifth, sixth place and you want to try to leapfrog the people ahead of you, you're obviously going to want to try to fade Rory and maybe go down to a second-tier player that you still have left in the bank, whoever that may be, maybe a, maybe a Daniel Berger or maybe even a Phil Mickelson or somebody there who may be very low-owned in your league. Maybe one or two people may have them, 
And if he wins, you happen to leapfrog other players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is a position I find myself in because I haven't been using your picks. I've been <laughs> trying to use my own. <laughs> so. and, then, and then in terms of the DraftKings strategy, I mean, it's kind of broken down into two different two different types. So whenever we have uh, people, usually refer to them as cash games, meaning whether they're double ups or even sometimes triple ups or head to heads, kind of where you know roughly. A third more than a third of the field gets paid you know double ups it's 45 percent head-to-heads you know obviously one out of two when the, when you have those type of tournaments or, or games you're going to want to be a little bit more conservative in your picks you're going to want guys that are going to be a little more consistent and make cuts versus guys that are going to be a little bit more high upside the easiest way to say that is you're going to be picking the matt kuchers adam scott's paul casey's of the world the guys that make a lot of cuts and are going to be getting you a lot of top 30s because in order to win in those events, you're only going to have to finish in the top 45% for double ups. So if you have six guys, all six guys make the cut, that's almost good to cash 90% of the weeks. And maybe some weeks, five out of six or even four out of six, depending on where the ownership falls. Uh, definitely in those double ups, you see a lot of people on the same players. You may see, I believe a couple weeks ago, we were having some guys that were owned 60 set by seven, 60 or 70 percent of the rosters had certain players just because they're such such values. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you expect a guy like Rory's ownership to be this week with it, everybody all over him? Yeah, I mean, uh, I expect him to be in terms of double ups, probably in in that 30 percent range, only because his salary is so high. Uh, that means you're gonna have to kind of go a little bit lower, and you may not be able to kind of stack your team with a bunch of value plays in that eight thousand dollar range. Uh, Whereas, obviously, you have strategy on the other end of the spectrum for tournaments. I would think Rory is going to be roughly around maybe 30% owned. Uh, it obviously may differ for tournaments. Uh, so, so, example, this week, you're going to see a lot of the players wanting to choose guys maybe like Hideki Matsuyama because he won last week. And I believe on DraftKings is, you know, in the mid-10,000 range. So you're going to see him be highly owned. You're going to look at... You know, people are obviously going to be on speed based on how he's been how he's been playing, you know, trying to get the grand slam here. People are obviously on Rory. So you try to see is what guy up there is not going to be as high owned. And you may be able to get him at, at reduced ownership in a tournament. And that's kind of a way where, you know, you can distinguish yourself and, and have the ability to, you know, to win a big if you're in a big drafting tournament, such as like they have the millionaire maker this week. So an example of a guy you may want to play there may not necessarily be the best play, but he, let's say if you have Jason Day at 10400 That's he's, what he, He's $100 less than Hideki Matsuyama. You're going to have 20 to 30% of people on Matsuyama. You're going to have 8 to 10% maybe on Day, maybe even less. But we do know that Jason Day can win major championships. And yeah. he, did, he, he did show a, a little bit last week that, hey, he can actually, you know, He's broken out of his slump just a little bit. I mean, obviously, he still has some lingering injuries, but on a golf course where you have to hit it long and, you know, if a guy is a hot driver, watch out, that could be Jason Day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if he happens to, let's say, you have – he's only 8% owned and you happen to have him in a lot of tournaments in your rosters, you're going to be looking pretty good because, you know, you, you've essentially n- narrowed it down, knocked out 92% of the field because they don't have Jason Day. Whereas if you have Hideki and Hideki does good, you still got to deal with 30% of the field. So it's definitely a little bit different strategy between uh, between the, the cash games and double ups versus uh, some of the bigger tournaments, especially like uh, the Millionaire Maker. 
I think this is good advice too for, you know, your office pools and other things like where, you know, going a little bit against the grain, if they do well, if you if you're in a forty person pool or twenty person pool, you can you can make such big headway with just having a player that nobody else has. Like I I'm in a uh I'm in this like majors draft every and it's we've got like 30 guys and uh, it everybody picks it's a snake draft and I had the 10th pick or 11th pick and then I was sitting there looking at Justin Rose and Jason Day and I picked Rose and my buddy right behind me is like I gotta pick Day right I'm like yeah you gotta pick Day at 12 because like he's got such upside um and it's interesting Rom is another name I feel like People are out on Rom just because of his attitude, but he's been still playing so well. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has the ability there. It's just a matter of whether he can stay mentally strong enough, mm-hmm. you know, for, for four days, especially if it gets difficult out there, he kind of gets hard on himself. I mean, last week at Firestone, he played good for three rounds. The only problem is the second round, he shot in the high 70s, and that kind of took him out of the tournament after he, I believe, shot 67 the first day. Yeah. So of uh, say the guys that are priced above nine thousand in DraftKings, mm-hmm. so your bottom tier of this is Justin Rose, and then up to Spieth at twelve thousand. Who are kind of your three or four favorite guys from in here? Yeah, I mean, so obviously Roy's the best at the top at eleven thousand eight hundred. Uh, but if you're looking for guys that probably have the upside to win here, I would be looking at Brooks Kepka at ninety two hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason is that is he just performs in majors. Obviously, he won the U.S. Open, but he has a huge streak for the last couple of years to where he's just performed at the almost all top 30s in his majors the last couple of years. I mean, he's 17th at the Bridgestone, 6th at the British, 1st the U.S. Open, uh, and then 11th the Masters this year. So he, he has an ability to perform here. Uh, if we're looking at, you know, some courses to where, you know, he, he might have he's played well in the past, he's played well on courses that have this type of champion's Altidorf grass. He's made... The uh, you know the Sweet 16 at Austin this year was final eight there at Austin the year before has played well at the uh, Valero Texas Open finishing second there this year uh, at the Memphis St Jude he's finished second and third in two of the last three years there so he's very familiar and comfortable with this grass obviously it's not all dependent on putting but guys that have you know had success on similar type tracks uh, I think you got to look a little bit more towards them this week yeah andy andy notches off that that great driving ability he hits it really long and really straight so, exactly so I, I i like brooks kepka a lot this week also um what do you, who are you fading in this group who do you not like of these top guys yeah so the, so the one guy i'm definitely not touching uh is definitely gonna be henrik stenson so Henrik Stenson's record at Quail Hall has been miserable. Uh, I believe his last his last five appearances here have been miscut, 58th, miscut, miscut, miscut. Uh, obviously the setup may be a little bit different, but that's enough, you know, bad form for a guy at 9,800 to where I'm definitely not going to be on him. With that being said, I don't think a ton of people will be will be using him in tournaments. So if you want to toss him in one random lineup because he may be Five percent out. I definitely wouldn't argue against it. I'm just, I'm just. He's not going to be in my core group of players this week. Yeah, he, he hasn't really done a lot to, to inspire enthusiasm in picking him this year. Also, it's been kind of a, a down year for, for uh, Henrik. Um, 
Moving down, and and this kind of will be interesting to talk about just with, you know, some sleepers and some maybe outside of, it's not really a sleeper if you're in this next tier, but outside of your big names, um, you get in here, you've got Justin Thomas at 8,900, um, and we'll kind of go down to Thomas Peters at 70, Thomas Peters, Charles Schwartzel, Lou Eusazen at 7,500 as the bottom tier. You've got a lot of interesting names here, and I, I always think this is kind of the tier of guys where where you could get a guy that comes into the top five, and, and this is where you can kind of make your lineup really pop. Yeah, definitely. I see this week, especially if you're gonna be, it's going to be tough to fit two of the top studs that we kind of mentioned before in the same lineup. So you're going to be putting you know two or three, three of these mid-tier players in your lineup. Uh, and so the guy that I like the most this week is actually Phil Mickelson, which I don't think... It, a lot of people realize how good he's been at Quail Hollow. So in the last his last 10 appearances at Quail Hollow, he's gone 4th, 4th, 11th, 3rd, 26th, 9th, 2nd, 5th, and uh, 12th, and 3rd. So that's a pretty solid performance for the last 10 appearances at Quail Hollow, which, if you think about it, you wouldn't expect Phil to play great there on paper because you kind of have to keep it on the planet off the tee box, but... For some reason, off the tee there, he, he's been absolutely amazing. Uh, the last four or five years there, he's actually been near the top of the field in strokes gained off the tee at Quill Hollow, which is kind of surprising because he doesn't he isn't necessarily you know a bomber like Rory, but he's just been hitting fairways every time he's been playing at Quill Hollow, which if he does it again this week, I, I wouldn't see reason why he wouldn't contend again. And he's another guy that puts good on that Champions Bermuda, and so... One of the things that she put together this week was looking at, you know, strokes gained putting on that type of grass over the last three years versus what their current stats are. And, you know, I was able to find, you know, six golfers that kind of pop there. And, you know, Phil Mickelson over the course of, you know, a four round tournament is gaining two and a half shots on the green putting on this grass as compared to his normal strokes gained putting on all of the grasses. That's amazing. It's Phil's grass. Exactly, yeah. And, and one other interesting thing is the sand that they just put on the golf course this year is the exact type of sand from Augusta National. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, you know, Phil, you know, if he happens to miss the greens, a short game wizard, and we all know how well he plays at Augusta, especially with the short game hitting out of the bunkers. So that's that's just kind of another thing pointing towards Mickelson this week. Man, and it's his 100th major. It's, it uh, is. It's cer- ceremonious, too. Exactly. I, I don't know if I could deal with Phil winning. I uh, I have this thing that Ernie Els is a better player than Phil, and I'll just I'll just never hear the end of it if Phil wins. <laughs> so we can hope for a Phil victory then. <laughs> I I will look like an idiot. I already do look like an idiot though, so that's fine. Uh, so what do you think of you know a name in here I kind of like is Tommy Fleetwood. He doesn't have any course history, but he drives it so well. I I think this could be a good fit for him. Yeah, I mean, this is this is honestly a better fit golf course for him than it was at the British Open, uh, even though that was you know kind of a local course for him. He's pretty reasonably priced here at eight thousand dollars, to where for a DraftKings lineup, he he'll probably be a little bit overlooked because especially in larger tournaments, you have a lot of you know casual DraftKings players that don't necessarily know the European players. So you'll see this every major. The European tour players will be a lot less owned just because they don't have the name recognition. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if let's say, you know, Daniel Berger had the same, you know, 
resume is Tommy Fleetwood. You put them on paper, they may look fairly similar. I mean, Fleetwood's leading the race to Dubai in Europe, yet no one knows that. And you're getting him at $8,000, and he's a premier driver of the golf ball on a course that needs that. Mm-hmm. So you, you may get Fleetwood at 10% ownership in a DraftKings lineup, which you know he's a very good high upside play. He kind of reminds me of what Thomas Peters was last week. Just went under the radar, talked about by a few people, you know, a good course fit, but no one really, you know, recognized him because, you know, he's kind of a European tour player, doesn't play much in the States. How, how do you like Thomas Peters for this week? He, it seems like another good fit, the way he drives it. He's a really yeah. good approach player, iron player, and he, and he can get hot with the putter. Yeah, I mean, whenever I'm trying to build – a lineup for, for a DraftKings tournament, uh, I'm not necessarily just looking at how they're going to play. I'm also looking, if my player plays well, how's he going to get there? And so if Thomas Peters plays well, it's because he's making a lot of birdies. I kind of do a comparison, you know, if you have some guys, let's say Louis Oosthuizen or Zach Johnson, when they play well, they tend to, you know, limit their mistakes. And, you know, if they're going to shoot 15 under, they're going to make 18 birdies and three bogeys. Mm-hmm. If Thomas Peters is going to shoot 15 under, he's going to make 25 birdies and 10 bogeys usually right mm-hmm. and for DraftKings wise you're going to want the guy that that's making more birdies because a 15th place finish from peters may be just as good as an eighth place finish from zach johnson for example yeah yeah that that makes sense is it because the the whole DraftKings scoring values birdies so highly exactly uh, so in uh, you you're you're high on burger and hoffman i know because of the grass right yeah, so Charlie Hoffman actually leads the that strokes gain putting differential. He's actually one point or four point four shots better per four rounds on this grass as com- as compared to normal grass, which is which is kind of a little bit astounding. But if you look back at the course he's done that on, Valero Texas Open, he plays plays well every year and, and happens to putt well there. I mean, it's only a small sample size of maybe twenty or thirty rounds, but it's still a large differential we really can't ignore. Yeah, Andy, and he's hitting the ball great. I mean, the recent form is is out of this world good. So, seems like yeah. a, another good fit for him. Yeah, and, and he hasn't played Quill Hollow since 2011. So I'm not really looking at course history for him. But when he goes, you know, third at Bridgestone, second at the Canadian Open, he's played good in big events. Twentieth at the British, eighth at the U.S. Open, uh, you know, twenty second at the Masters, thirtieth at the Players. Those are all big events, and he's just he's just always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always say it's that when you when you hit the ball well, it's it's hard to not be there, and he's hit it well all year. Um, so JB Holmes is a guy that's won here. Uh, what are you thinking about him for this week? He's another one that you, you may, if, if you're building, let's say if you're building five tournament lineups on DraftKings, you're probably going to toss him in maybe in one, maybe one or two, just because he's another one of those high upside plays to where if he happens to have you know that week where everything's clicking. He's going to be a birdie machine and get you a top 10. But there obviously, you know, is the risk of him missing the cut this week. But if you're going to try to win a tournament on DraftKings, you're going to have to play some of these high upside plays like, like Holmes or Peters. You know, uh, the other thing is you might want to fade the players with Holmes because rumor is he doesn't wear deodorant. <laughs> it's going to be hot and muggy down there. Yeah. Yeah, but it, his playing competitors may also be 30 yards behind him off the tee, so they may not smell that. So, um, so uh, I, I'm not I'm not in on uh, Patrick Reed this week. Are you? Oh no, nah, he just doesn't doesn't necessarily you know suit for me. I'd I'd much rather take another guy at 7,300, Brennan Steele. 
You know, Steele just is a really good player off the tee. Uh, he has good history. His last two times at Quill Hollow, he's gone 14th and 9th. Uh, and he's also another one of those guys that, that happens to putt well uh, on this grass type. He's got, you know, a positive strokes gain putting of 2.8 compared to his normal putting uh, when, when putting on this type of grass. You know, not trying to, you know, not trying to, you know, beat the stat to death, but, you know, it's a big difference when you're getting more than more than two two shots over a uh, over a four round tournament. It's, I feel like Brendan Steele is one of the most underappreciated players on tour simply because he's sponsored by Wilson. You know, if he was sponsored by like TaylorMade or Callaway, he'd be like way more popular because he hits it far. His swing's kind of goofy, but you know, he, he I, I just think he gets Wilson doesn't market him enough. Well, well, and the other thing is he may go a little bit under-owned this week, actually, because he's been consistent the whole year up until the last three last three events. Mm-hmm. So he, did, he didn't miss a cut all year until he missed cut at the Quicken Loans, missed cut at the British Open, and then he shot 75 last weekend in the first round and then shot 70, 71, and 70 the last three. And, you know, no one he didn't really get any press coverage. No one really knew. He's kind of flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. And, and you got a lot of popular plays, you know, similarly priced. If you're looking at on DraftKings, you got – yeah, Cabrera Bayo, who just did good at, at you know at the last major at 71. You got you know you got Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Russell Henley, J.B. Holmes, Schwartzel, Peters, Oosthuizen, Hoffman, Berger. You have all those guys within a couple hundred dollars of price. So you know the ownership's going to have to drop off on a couple of those guys, and it, it may drop off on Steel, where you may get them you know sub 10 percent, uh, which you know he, he could be you know a guy that you know could make or break your lineup this week. Yeah, speaking of uh, Bubba, your uh, strokes gain last place and strokes gain mental. What, what, <laughs> yeah. do you, what do you think about Bubba this week? He, we've seen some proof of life recently from the, the pescatarian. Yeah, yeah, we have said, seen some proof of life. I mean, he has had a little bit of glimmer of hope at this course. He, he did finish second back here in 2009, but since then, he, you know, he, he's, he's had three other appearances and didn't have any top 20s, so... I'm not necessarily sure if, if it's a great course fit for him, but I, I wouldn't be playing a ton of Bubba this week. I mean, he he, he would have to be finishing in the in, you know the top ten to get a lot of upside for me, and I just don't really see it with his mental game right now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so moving down into like the seven thousand range and below. Um, I I mean, there's a lot of interesting names. Tony Finau obviously is is one. Xander Shoffley, who's been really hot and played well in big events, uh, is another 7,000. And then you, you got, like, Lucas Glover. He's a guy that's always plays well here, seem, seemingly. Kevin Chappell. I mean, there are a, there's just seem, seems like you could create a whole roster with $7,000 guys. Yeah, you, you pretty much could. Yeah, and that's why you're going you're gonna to see a lot some of the roster construction where guys will take three guys from this range and then take – you know, two, you know, the one of the, you know, studs in the top three of salary and then fill in two guys between that eight to 9,500 range. And that's probably going to be a popular construction this week mm-hmm. uh, for some of the tournaments. But I mean, yeah, definitely a lot of those guys you mentioned, I love. I mean, Tony Finau has gone 28th and 16th, his two appearances here. You know, he's been playing great of late, fifth of the Canadian Open, 27th at the British Open. Uh, you know, even before that, went seventh at Greenbrier. It, literally the entire last two months he's he's finished top 40 every single event going back to the byron nelson in may mm-hmm. so that that just screams consistency right there and he's a guy that bombs it off the tee and he actually still keeps it in play for as far as he hits it 
So yeah. he, he's gonna if he has a good driving week in terms of keeping on the planet, he he definitely could have could have a top ten of this course. Uh, I mean, one of the other guys I absolutely love this week is definitely gonna be Kevin Chapel. Uh, he's just another guy who's just striking the ball well right now. His last his last two finishes finished thirteenth at the Bridgestone, eighth at the Canadian Open. You know, people kind of forgot him out because he missed the two cuts before that, but it just seems to be a good course fit because he's he's another one of those guys that's he's kind of like Charlie Hoffman where he may not necessarily hit it the furthest off the tee, but he's going to hit it 300 yards and he's going to find a lot of fairways, which this week, if you're putting it 300 yards down the middle of the fairway, you're going to be in good shape because, you know, there's so many holes that are long here where you're going to be having 150 to 180 in and you just cannot afford to be missing fairways and be and be far away at the same time. You can't be 170 in the rough. You have to be 150 down there, 140 if you happen to miss and be in the rough. You know, Chapel has uh, two straight top 15 finishes at uh, Wells Fargo too. Um, the last uh, two years at at, um, at uh, Quail Hollow, so good course history too. Definitely. Uh, then uh, we get down in the sub 7,000 range. You know, we're starting to get into the deep sleepers here. Who are I? I Luke Lewis played really well last week. He's long. I think he's played well at this event before, too. Um, you got Webb Simpson. I, I had somebody ask me today about Webb, what were the thoughts for the local member. Uh, Bill Haas is another local. Uh, who, are, who are your guys in this, in this uh, bottom tier range going all the way down to, say, 60, you know, to the bottom? All the way down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's there's a couple guys. You, you you have some good value here. I, th- I think you got at you know at 6700, I believe, is you have uh, you have Gary Woodland, mm-hmm. who obviously you know didn't play great last week, but two weeks ago in Canada played pretty solid. You know, finishing fourth, and he he has a pretty decent track record here. Uh, he, he's gone 20 his last his last three starts here at Quail Hollow. He's gone 24th, fourth, and 18th, and you know he's another guy that he hits it long off the tee. Uh, I mean, he, he, he strokes gained off the tee when he played in, you know, Canada finished fourth, which is off the charts because it was just a stripe show. It was just 320 down the middle every single hole. And, you know, he didn't necessarily hit a great last week, but if he finds that form again this week at 6,700, there's not many guys below 7,000 that have as much upside as Gary Woodland, mm-hmm. uh, just based on, the, based on the power alone. It's, uh, one, of, one of the more depressing things is to look at Woodland's uh, tee to green stats and then his uh, putting stats, and you realize if he if he putted well at like a, a good level, he would win so many tournaments. Oh yeah, I mean one of the amazing stats was when he uh, when he actually played in uh, at that RBC Canadian Open, he gained fourteen and a half shots tee to green, and lost two and a half shots putting, <laughs> and finished fourth. So it's not often you see a guy that lost two and a half shots strokes gained putting and finished fourth in an event. Yeah, he, that, that 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 just means you're absolutely striping at tee to green. So, uh, anybody else down here that you like outside of Woodland? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of players. You, you, you've had Danny Lee here, who's probably you know a really big flyer here down at 6600, but he's another guy who's you know, had success at this course, and he tends to be a really good long iron player. So yeah. he, he's he's gone ninth and thirteenth his last two times at Quail Hollow. He's kind of been, you know, pretty silent. No one's really heard much from him the last couple of weeks. You know, it, last time he played good, he had a good stretch in late June, early July, where he went third at the Travelers, 22nd at the Wicked Loans, and ninth at the Greenbrier. And then 
kind of no one's heard much about him I, last month because he hasn't I, played great. Yeah, he had an elbow injury that he had to pull out of the, uh, I think, the deer with. But yeah, he, he withdrew it for the first round of the deer, but he, he did play the Canadian Open. Yeah. Uh, I think he finished like 32nd there or something like that. So, I, you know, he, he, I think he's back healthy enough to where mm-hmm. I don't mind rostering him at 6,600 because he's just, you know, he, he's a guy that wouldn't surprise you. If he said, hey, Danny Lee finished fifth at the – at the PJ Championship, I said, "Okay, that's believable." Yeah. And there's there's not many guys down here in this range that have as much upside as him. I mean, you, obviously you got guys like Jason Duffner or you know, like a, even maybe a Sean O'Hare who's had good success here in the past. But you don't have a ton of those guys on here that are going to say, "Oh, he has top five upside." You got a lot of guys that may finish top thirty, but a guy that finishes thirtieth probably isn't going to isn't going to win you the tournament. You're going to have to have some you know longer shot guy down here finish top five. You know. Example, like taking a guy like Beef Johnston, who nobody knows in America, but he's you know a really good driver of the golf ball, and yeah, know, he, he may only be one or two percent owned on DraftKings this week, and if he happens to play well, there you go. I mean, he did finish twenty seventh at the British in the last major, so you know, and forty second at the U.S. Open, so you know, it, it's definitely there for a major to where he, you know he's not necessarily scared of the spotlight. Yeah, uh, Beef won uh, at Valderrama last year, too, which was one of the tougher driving courses on the European Tour. So definitely fits him well if you got to drive it well. Um, definitely. So any any other guys down here that uh, – you, do, you do you have a club pro that you're, uh, that you're picking? No, I mean, I'm pretty much <laughs> staying away from all the club pros. I mean, yeah, you obviously, you, you obviously have like Mike Small from University, you know, the University of Illinois head coach there is, you know, always a pretty solid play. But re- realistically, you're going to see maybe one or one or two of these guys make the cut this week. But I, I wouldn't expect any of them to, re- you know, really to contend this week. What do you think about Grayson Murray? Uh, can I plead the fifth? Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I don't know. I, I, I kind of think he could could surprise. He's from North Carolina, and, you know, when he's cooking, he drives it really well. He's long, um, makes a lot of birdies, but might be might be a, too big of a moment for him. Yeah, I mean, that's another one where you're, you're going to have to have your mental game together. I mean, obviously, the PGA Championship, the scoring is usually lower than most of their majors, but it, it, it's still going to be a grind fest this week. I mean, I'm expecting, you know, the, the, the winning score to be somewhere between maybe – eight to 12 under par and you know it's going to play difficult in stretches just based upon the way that the course is set up uh especially if the guys who won the first two rounds and they're teeing off the backside, they're going to have to play the green mile which is what uh, they call quail hollow's last three holes which mm-hmm. are you know the 506 yard par 416 uh 16 220 yard 17th par three 490 yard 18th and they're gonna have to go right over to the first tee box to the hole that mcgirt was talking about it's, yeah. you know, five, 520 par 4, 450 par 4, and 480 par 4. So you're going to have to play those six holes in a row, and I expect absolute carnage between those six holes. You may see guys go into that six-hole stretch a couple under and walk out a couple over. Yeah, that, it, it just wears on you for the – if you have to play six really tough holes in a row. It's exactly. – uh, you need a, need a little break. Um, so what are your favorite uh, odds bets this week? I think one of the best odds on the board is that is actually Phil Mickelson uh, that I kind of mentioned earlier. So I, I believe for the week, I think he's plus 250 for a top 20 bet, meaning, you know, if there's a $100 bet on it, you're getting your $100 back plus $250 back for top 20. Considering, you know, his history there where he's he's finished 
inside the top 12, nine of the last 10 years here. Uh, a top 20 bet seems pretty pretty plausible, and he's also five to one for a top 10, and mm -hmm. he, he's finished you know top 10 six of the 10 years here. So those those seem pretty good odds for you know a guy who's you know tends to show up in majors and you know really loves his golf course. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. Um, do you have any other ones that that uh, you're really in on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're making it, making any bets there, I, I would kind of, you know, look at maybe, maybe towards some head to heads. If there's some guys you don't like, like if you're going against maybe a guy we talked about Henrik Stenson, if you can find a head to head matchup for him against any of the other top players, uh, I'm thinking Stenson's got a good chance to miss the cut this week. So I would kind of choose the, you know, the other player, whether maybe, uh, you know, maybe match up against a Scott or a Casey or a Sergio or a Rose. I like all those guys, uh, you know, over Stenson, if you can get him in a head to head matchup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dustin Rosa has good track record here. Uh, he's not in the best recent form, but I feel like he could be a, a guy that could uh, really play well this week. Definitely. I mean, he finished third here in 2016, fifth in 2014. So, I mean, the form's definitely there. Uh, the only question is, is his, is his current form there? Because obviously mm -hmm. we know he plays, he used to play, or he played well in the past at Firestone, and he didn't necessarily play well last week. But mm -hmm. we, we, we know it's definitely there for majors because we saw what he played at Augusta. It's just a matter of which Justin Rose shows up for us. So, uh, so you're picked to win. Who, who's, is it Rory? Yeah, it, it's Rory. I, I've been on Rory for a long time, and you know, you, you just cannot pass up what he's done here at at, at Quail Hollow. I mean, it's just it's been domination. You know, he went fourth in 2016, one in 15. 8th in 2014, 10th in 2013, 2nd in 2012. He obviously missed the cut in 11, and then he won in 2010. That, <laughs> that, that's just, you know, I, I want to say it's almost Tiger-like, to where, where the guy, his last seven appearances, he has, you know, six top tens. That, that's kind of crazy, no matter, no matter what course that's on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like that's where, you know, most of the, the hype is gone. I, I, since I'm, I'm back in... in down in my my fantasy leagues, I'm gonna have to be, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. I don't know who I'm gonna go with yet, but I'm probably gonna just take some flyer, hope that nobody else takes them and and pick up some points. Yeah, you're just gonna be typical contrarian, Andy. We know it. So. Yeah, I well, I, I change my mind every every day, so I'll. Uh, You'll probably be going with Lee Westwood. It's fine. So no, no, the Westwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Westwood does have one really good finish here, so I did see some glimmer of hope. But he's been gallivanting in the in the, in French Lick, Indiana. He's not even getting ready down in North Carolina. He's been in Indiana. I was disappointed, very disappointed. I might pick Thomas Peters. Yeah, it's it's a viable option. Maybe Fleetwood. I'll probably pick Fleetwood. Is what I'm gonna pick. So, but uh, all right. Well. Uh, let us know uh, what you think. We're, we might be doing more of these uh, in the future. Polly, thanks for coming on. I know you nope. uh, you got an early morning tomorrow, so. No problem. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you don't follow uh, Polly, check him out. It's uh, at Fried Egg Polly uh, on Twitter, and he's uh, he's really good at getting back to you, giving giving you uh, what he thinks about different things.